Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is the Big Nasty. Yeah, Big Nasty. Hall of Fame, Tampa Bay Buccaneer fan, baby. This is Mike Allstott, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and you're listening to the Cannon Fire Podcast. Cannon Fire Podcast, brother. You ain't listening, and you're missing out. Podcast back at you today for episode 112. I'm your host, as always, Rhett Mustache Matthew. Joined alongside me, as always, my good buddy and co-host, the Philly Bucks fan himself, Mr. Evan Wanish. Now, Evan, let me ask you a question. I know you're not a Jersey guy, but if a player leaves a team to go play for a division rival, are you buying that jersey? No, and I'm no. I'm definitely not, and I'm not wearing that jersey either. No, so. not wearing that jersey. I'm with you. Well, no. I'll tell you what. That's the most that we're gonna get into the topic because at the end of the day, you know what? It's really not important. Is this something we're gonna be worried about come July when training camp comes back around? Is it really? You know, people are bored, I guess, because uh, yeah, making a big deal out of uh, out of anything nowadays. So we, whatever, we just, though. It's just just another day in in the life of Bucks Twitter, right? It's a sign of the times that this country is in right now. We need sports back. The people have too much time on their hands. We need sports. See, to the bring draft us draft weekend was great. Draft weekend was great. Nobody was, was talking most, about nothing. It was it, it was the most united I have seen this fan base in quite some time. Now, obviously, there were some people who were not happy about certain picks, but overall, everybody had a good time talking about the draft, and that's what we're going to focus on here today. Yeah, it finally felt something normal, too. I right? know. I know. Like, you know something. Yeah, yeah, something that was normal. So you know, no, no sports, no nothing. But we finally had something. Yeah, it really kept me feeling good about everything that's going on right now. And it's all we're going to talk about today is the draft. Welcome back to the show, ladies and gentlemen. We are post draft weekend. The Buccaneers have, of course, selected their 2020 draft class, which we're going to grade today on the show. And then they got 13 undrafted free agents. We're going to go over as well. But before we get into post draft. Let's talk about a little bit of Buccaneer news. Leading up to the draft, we said here on the show a lot, you know, it wouldn't surprise me. I know I said this verbatim. It wouldn't surprise me at all if we saw O.J. Howard get dealt during the draft. Well, first round went by, nothing happened. Second round, third round, nothing happened. After day three, O.J. Howard is still a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. Now, obviously, the Bucs still have some room to make some cuts open up some cap space opportunity. I think they have what 84 players on the roster right now. Yep. Yeah, they have a they have about 6 spots, so they can add a few 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 depth pieces and they likely will. I think most teams get to 90. Yeah. So, I wanted to bring up this OJ thing really quickly because one, it surprised me to see that he was not gone. Not that I wanted him to leave that badly, but I explained my reasoning <clears> here <throat> on the show. But I also brought it up because, Evan, I wanted to ask you, what do you think the plan is for him moving forward? Is it more of a possibility that the Bucks carry three tight ends into the 2020 season? Or 
Can we wait to see something happen? Is there any possibility of another trade? Like, what's the deal with OJ right now? Yeah, well, I, you know, I think so. Day one, I didn't expect him dealt. Day two, I thought was like the danger zone for for his sake. Right. Uh, especially when you started to get into that third round, and especially the late third round, I thought mm, maybe you know there's a lot of good players still on the board, and they don't have a fourth round pick. Maybe they want to move up and use OJ. Uh, and that didn't happen, uh, you know, but like I said, you know, once day three came, I was like, okay, he's going to stay because I, I said this a bunch. I reported it a bunch that yes, they were in talks with a few teams and yes, like they, they weren't necessarily shopping him, but, and they weren't just going to give this guy away. They realized that, you know, this guy has a ton of potential. He's still on a cheap contract and it's Tom Brady throwing them the football. Uh, you know, they, they were only going to get rid of him if they got a day two pick or, you know, like a day one trade up scenario, but that it didn't seem like OJ Howard's name ever even came up in a day one trade up scenario, uh, which we'll talk about a little bit later in the show. But yeah, it uh, seems like the bucks just weren't getting the price that they wanted. You know, that was a lot of what we yeah, heard in the days yep. leading up to the draft is, mm-hmm. you know, Bucks have been shopping O.J. Howard, but there's a lot of teams who just aren't willing to pay what they thought he was worth, I don't know, this time six months ago. You know, yeah. so it, it's it's one of those things that I guess you have to just pick and choose. But I'm surprised he's still on the roster. I really am. I hope they have some good plans for him because I think he can do well under Brady. Yeah, well, I wonder why, like, I don't know. They only have O.J. Howard and Cameron Braid, so I don't know why they would want to trade one of those guys. Yeah, I don't know why O.J. Maybe because they signed some other guy. Like I don't. I, I guess that's why the rumors... was there a reason they didn't have the comp pick? Right. Yeah. Like I. I don't. I. I don't know, dude. Maybe they signed some no-name tight end during free agency. That we... dude. It's probably like Rob Gronkowski or something. Right. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> who would have thought? You know, who would have thought? We'd call me crazy. <laughs> oh wait. Oh wait. They actually did. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Oh wow, that's yeah, the thing that happened. Um, oh, so man, we need. I mean, that so bad. there was OJ rumors beforehand, but that really sparked it. Yeah. And to be honest, I agree with you, Rhett. You know, I thought he was going to get traded. Um, you know, I thought it was going to be for uh, a late second round pick or a late third round pick, something like that. Um, but that never happened, and you know, I'm glad. Uh, as far as them carrying three tight ends, I do believe that they don't have a problem with that. I believe they carried four last year, so I would expect, you know, the three tight ends if, you know, none of them. Now, obviously, OJ could get traded right now. It, it doesn't matter. It's not like there's a, you knowing know. Our a, luck, as right. soon as, knowing our luck, uh, as soon as we 100%. hit the stop record button, I'll get a big notification that said OJ's been traded to the Packers for this. Yeah, he's been he's been traded to the Packers for Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, oh, so. my God. <laughs> uh, so, I mean. That they'll likely have O.G. Howard, Rob Gronkowski, Cameron Bray, and one of Anthony Alclair, uh Tanner Hudson, or Jordan Leggett. I still think Hudson is practice squad eligible. I'm not sure about Leggett, but and Alclair will I think will make the roster just because you know he's a really good blocker. So um, yeah, I expect those guys to probably be the four if they do end up carrying four tight ends. Gotcha. So the fate of OJ is definitely up in the air right now, but at this point we just have to wait. It's it's looking a lot better now than it did a week ago this time. Absolutely. So let's move on to what we are here for, the bread and butter, the meat and potatoes, the NFL draft. The 2020 Buccaneer draft class is here. And uh, to sum it all up nicely, the Buccaneers had one hell of a draft. Like they went out there and they knocked it out of the park. 
not going to say that they shattered a lot of mock drafts that we expected, but there were some things that fell in place that I did not expect to fall in place. And we actually got a really cool look at what was going on for the Bucks in the first round because it was busy as hell for them at pick number 14. We'll talk about that here in a minute. But Peter King was actually a journalist who had access to the Bucks war room while everything happened. And now after the fact, he's telling us a little bit of everything that went into the first round process, what the Bucks tried to do, what some other teams were interested and not interested in doing. And uh, we'll break that down right now before we get to the first round pick that people are waiting on. From the get-go, we found out that the Bucks were always looking to move up. The Buccaneers wanted to trade up into the first round, and I'm assuming they wanted to trade up and secure one of those big four offensive tackles. Because I'll tell you what, after Andrew Thomas was the first OT off of the board, I had no idea how things were going to shake out. We kind of knew that Cleveland and the Jets were going to be looking for tackles. They were right in front of us. But Andrew Thomas being the first one off of the board was kind of like, oh, you know, I had fully expected it to be Wirfs or Wills being taken by New York. What did you think of Thomas going first? Yeah, as well. I mean, I, I was a little surprised, but not shocked, per se. Uh, Andrew Thomas is a good football player. And, you know, the Giants did a pretty good job of smoke screening because I feel like Andrew Thomas was the one that was least mentioned with them at four. Yeah, you heard but there was also like Isaiah Simmons mostly. I, well, Isaiah Simmons, but then, you know, once two weeks led to the draft, it was tackle. And the tackles were Wills or Wirfs. A few threw him back then, but not really much. Uh, and then, you know, Andrew Thomas becomes the pick. There were rumors that Andrew Thomas was going to be one of the first tackles off the board, and he ended up being the first tackle off the board. So, uh, yeah, that started the snowball. I don't think that was a, a surprise to the Bucks. I think they definitely expected a tackle there. Maybe they were a, bit, a little bit surprised that it wasn't Werfs or Wills, but I do think they, in their mock drafts, I'm sure they had the first tackle going off the board there. Yeah. And when it goes back to what the Bucks were trying to do in the first round, we talked about how they were heavily focused on trading up. They wanted to get in the top 10, or at least trade with a team that had a better position than they were at at 14, which ultimately ended up happening thanks to, I don't know if I'd call it a little bit of luck, but we'll talk about the trade here in a second. But what we know about other teams, we know that Carolina was never going to trade from 7. They did not want to move from that spot. The Buccaneers actually reached out. They called Arizona to see about swapping for pick number eight. Arizona didn't even answer the phone. So they moved up to pick number nine with Jacksonville. Tampa offered Jacksonville picks 76 and 117 for pick number nine. Jacksonville spent some time thinking about it, but they decided to pick C.J. Henderson from Florida there at number nine. The Bucks knew the Browns and the Jets were going to be taking tackles. They called the Jets. They found out they were going to be taking Mekhi Becton. So at that point, they called the Raiders for pick number 12. They had no interest. And they ended up calling John Lynch of the San Francisco 49ers for pick number 13. <laughs> Literally the, the last resort. Yeah. <laughs> so with that being said, I remember the pick being taken. I was live streaming with James, or I was on his live stream, pardon. But the pick was made, and immediately people were like, pissed. That we gave up whatever we did. It hadn't come out at the time. But people were pissed that we traded up one spot to San Francisco. We traded from 14 to 13 with San Francisco. Buccaneers gave up a fourth round pick. They got a seventh round pick. And they got pick 13, of course, which they used to draft offensive tackle Tristan Wirfs, who was still on the board. But with all that information, let me not get sidetracked here. 
The information comes out that John Lynch was in discussions with a team in the mid-20s who was wanting to move up and take Tristan Wirfs. Jason Light also thought the 49ers could take Wirfs, and at the time, it didn't seem like the Niners were going to take Tristan Wirfs, or, um, yeah, Tristan Wirfs. I didn't think they were going to, but literally not that long after everything was announced and the 49ers trading for Trent Williams, it comes out that Joe Staley is retiring. So from what we picked up, Jason Light got a little bit of inside information that Joe Staley is going to be retiring, and he said, you know what, there's a very real possibility that San Francisco could take Tristan Wirfs to fill that position of need. And here we are. He traded up, secured the pick. They got Wirfs in the first round. First off, what do you think of the situation, the Bucks wanting to be aggressive? And secondly, what do you think of the pick? Yeah, so um, I think uh, the Bucks wanting to be aggressive and try to trade up wasn't a big surprise at all. It was something that we had talked about on the show uh, a lot over the past two weeks. And, you know, we thought about possible spots you know eight arizona there's a good relationship there nine jacksonville they seemed like they were looking to move out 10 cleveland it seemed like they maybe wanted out uh, 11 the jets there was even some talk that they wanted out but you never really heard you know the raiders or 49ers and you know, I don't. I don't believe that Light even attempted to call Carolina. I think, and he actually jokingly said that we could offer our first for next year, and they wouldn't take it. Just because I think they were so in love with th- that they were either going to get Derek Brown or Isaiah Simmons, and they were so happy with either one of those that they weren't going to pass them up, which is understandable. And I think maybe even in Arizona, in this case, they didn't answer the phone because they were like, "Simmons is our guy." Like, yeah, like we're, there's no way why even answer it. And I think, um, really quick, just to throw in there as well, I think with the picks of, uh, you know, let's say the Jets and Cleveland, Cleveland ended up getting Wills, the Jets got Mekhi Becton, it's not the order we thought those guys were going to go, but going into it, do you think teams just kind of had their mind made up already? Like, do you think the Jets have been in love with Becton since a long time, I guess? And that's well, I had him over somebody else like Worfs. I had Becton mocked to the, the Jets, uh, but I also had Worfs off the board, so... Um, I'm not really sure. I, I think what hurt Wirfs was that a lot of people did see him as a guard. I'm not sure which team saw him as a guard. Uh, I don't believe the Bucks were one of those teams because if the Bucks were, they wouldn't have drafted him. Um, and then, you know, who knows, right? Like, obviously the Giants had a plan because the Giants had their pick of them. So the Giants figured that they were drafting Andrew Thomas. Yeah. Like, so they were the only ones with that knew what was going to happen. The Browns, I'm sure they had their their you know people they liked. Wills probably was their offensive tackle highest ranked. I, that was a wow. That was bad. Um, <laughs> sorry about that. I, I, that was a brain fart. Um, you know, but the rumor was that they loved Tristan Wirfs. Well, apparently not. Not really. You know. So and then 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 the Jets. I just think that Joe Douglas was just really infatuated with Mackay Beckton's size, athletic ability. So. Um, you know, you, you look at those spots, and you, know, you don't see a spot for worse. You know, there's, and there was always that wild card team. You know, maybe the Chargers if they don't take a quarterback. Um, then you know, there was some talk of the Dolphins possibly taking a tackle. Um, you know, there's a team possibly trading up, possibly the Dolphins from 18 trading up. You never know, but uh, I, I think that you know the Bucks did a good job, and nobody should be angry at it. It's a fourth round pick. It's a small price to pay to go up and get your guy. And so, one more small detail about that first round trade. You brought up the fourth round pick. 
Tampa's original offer for pick number 13 was a sixth-round pick. Uh, yep. They ended up deciding on the deal, giving up a fourth round, which Jason Light didn't want to do. But in crunch time, you got to do what you got to do. And the deal was ultimately made with one minute left on the clock. So the Buccaneers made the deal, and they knew exactly what they were doing with that pick. So Jason yeah, Light, and, and big ups one on him. Thing, one thing I will say is that maybe last year's draft led to this. Because in last year's draft, the Bucks were one pick away from selecting Cody Ford. The Bills traded up right in front of them and selected Ford. The Bucks ended up using that pick on Sean Murphy Bunting, but they were going to take Cody Ford. Uh, and the Bills ended up just swiping him. So I think Light wanted to make sure he got his guy. And you know what? If you know, I don't think Light would have been able to live with himself if you know if Worf becomes the player a lot of people think he can be. And you know, Light offered a six-round pick. The 49ers said no, give us a four, and he said no way. Uh, you know, over a fourth-round pick to get your guy. You do that every day, so it's a smart move. It was an aggressive move. It wasn't a, That's not a cheap price to pay to move up one spot. Hey, I mean, and that's why Light offered a six-round pick. But I, I think it's it's worth it. You're gonna hate me for asking this, and I know you just answered it. But is it worth it? It is worth it. It is worth it. <laughs> it, it is worth it. You know, because well, I it. I know I understand that fourth-round pick could be used, um, could be used to to get a. <laughs> Did you hear what I said? What? I said, is it worth it? His last name is worth. So I said, is it worth it? I'm so sorry. That's why I shouldn't have made the joke because you didn't even uh, hear me. No, I, I literally, it sounded like you said, is it worth it? Hey, that's what that Skype connection does, man. I hope somebody oh, out there appreciates that. I, I will tell you I've what, done though. It, I almost feel dirty now. I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> I think I, I came just tainted the a, whole show. I came up with a good one of my own. So, as you guys know, I'm from Philly. And Philly made an interesting move on day two, uh, selecting Jalen Hurts. So I was talking with one of my buddies who uh, who's an Eagles fan. And, you know, we were just talking about day two. I and mean, it was at the end of day two. And he was like, man, yeah, I just don't understand. I was like, yeah, it hurts, don't it? <laughs> so I, I understand the, the little corny ones. The, the problem is worth and worth is too close to each other. Right. So. Like the connection has to be perfect for me to understand. Like I yeah. seriously didn't though. No, it's. I'm not gonna lie. It was a good one. It was a good idea. Yeah, was but. it? Well, I'll tell you what. I think you might be a better person for not hearing it when it happened the first time. But we've talked about Tristan Worse. Let's really break down the pick and what kind of player this guy is. He's an offensive tackle out of Iowa. We talked about that corn-fed part of the country. They keep them boys up in shape. Tristan Worse, aside from being a beast of an offensive tackle, he is freakishly athletic. Like, he's pretty fast for his size, and I'm sure everybody by now has seen the video of him jumping out of the pool. I don't know if anybody has ever tried to do that in real life, but you know how hard it is once you do it. But, I mean, yeah, the guy's just a freakish athlete. What do you see from him, and what do you see potential-wise? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, he was my second-ranked offensive tackle on my board right behind uh, Jedrick Wills. So I was extremely happy with it, and I think the Bucks are too. Uh, the, the thing is, out of all four of the offensive tackles, which one did we talk about the least? Probably Tristan Wirfs, because we just yeah. didn't expect him to be there. Yeah, just, just didn't think he was going to be there. I mean, I, I I had Jedrick Wills as my number one, but I also thought Jedrick Wills had a better shot to get there than Tristan Wirfs. And I, I think the Bucks sort of thought that way, too. I didn't think they expected Wirfs. So, I mean, there's been some talk of him playing guard. I think he's going to play tackle. He can play both right and left tackle. Um, 
needs some a little bit more work at left tackle. But I, I believe you know he can step in right away, and he's going to be this team starting right tackle right away and make an immediate impact. He's a guy that can make, like I said, make an impact in, from day one. Not a guy that's going to need you know a few starts or whatever. I think he can come in and really play well and solidify that position, and then you know eventually slide over to left tackle because he can play both. He has played both, and uh, I think he's just a really good football player. Just right. he just is. I mean that's you know. I'm fine with trading up for guys that are really good football players, you know? Yeah, and that's what you love to hear about a first-round pick, a guy who can come in, make an impact from day one, just plug and play. And that was a lot of what was important about this draft is, you know, we talked about the window with Tom Brady. You want to put the best team around him that you possibly can now. You want to get guys that you can plug in and help now. And I definitely think Tristan Wirfs is going to do some magic there at the right tackle position. Let's go to the second-round pick. A pick that I... Wasn't a huge fan of immediately, um, solely because I just I was so sold on the Buccaneers getting a running back in the second round. I had convinced myself that that was what was going to happen, but once but it wasn't the right move, they right, did the right once, thing. I think they did too. Now that I've had time to sit on it, because Bucks were picking at pick forty-five. Once that pick rolled around, the only real running back with second grade uh, second round talent on the board was J.K. Dobbins, and we've made it clear before that if you can't pass block. You're not going to have a super great role on this team, and that's a big weakness of J.K. Dobbins. With that being said, second round pick 45, the Buccaneers selected Minnesota free safety Antoine Winfield Jr. Winfield, looking at the guy, looking at his film, looking at just highlights, he is a versatile guy, and I think that can play to his strength. He can play really anywhere in the backfield. And yep. It's another plus. He can help in the return game as well. He's not that shabby of a returner. Will we see it in the preseason? I would like to believe that we will, just to see what the guy's capable of, because I feel like we haven't had a returner worth a damn since Deshaun Jackson, and he only returned like two total punts while he was a buck. So, you know, that went the way that it did. But really quickly before I get your thoughts on this guy, fun fact that a lot of people might not know, Antoine Winfield Jr. plays for the Bucks. Antoine Winfield Sr., intercepted Tom Brady in 2001. Now his son is on the same roster as Tom Brady. The generational gap really just coming together. Like th this was, crazy. It was so weird for me too because Tristan Wirfs, I watched uh, part of his press conference. He talked about blocking for Tom Brady. He's like, you know, it's really cool. Tom Brady's been in the league and since 2000. I was born in 1999, and now I'm blocking for him. And I had to, like, grab my chair. I was like, what the hell? I'm older than this guy? So I've officially reached that point in my life. But a fun fact about Winfield Jr., just something to throw out there. His dad intercepted Tom Brady, and now hopefully he'll be intercepting Tom Brady in practice in just a few short months. But what are your thoughts on Winfield Jr.? From what a lot of people say, it was a steal for the Bucks in round two. He was my second-ranked safety, uh, right behind Xavier McKinney, who went earlier in that round. I, I thought that the Bucks, you know, while I was convinced that they were going to take a running back, I wasn't convinced that that wasn't the that was that that was the right move. Sorry, Clyde edwards hilaire went thirty-two. That was that was rough. Go on. The Chiefs. Right? The Chiefs. I, I mean, that was a good pick for the Chiefs. Smart football team, man. Um, so that was the only guy that really, if you were going to take a running back, that was really the only one that I was like at 45, like, all right, cool. Once Edward Tolaire was, I was like, don't pick one. I thought they were going to. They they liked Cam Akers, who actually went before J.K. Dobbins. Um, 
So they did like Cam Akers. I, I don't know how they felt about J.K. Dobbins. There were rumors that they didn't like him that much. Um, DeAndre Swift went to the Lions. Uh, Jonathan Taylor went to the Colts. So, I mean, it was either Dobbins or Akers. Or the other ones, you know. There was Neville Gallimore from uh, Oklahoma that was available at defensive lineman. I believe, uh, I forget, oh, the other defensive line was available. Oh, uh, Marlon Davidson from Auburn was available. Uh, Terrell Lewis from Alabama. So there were some talented players there, but there was also some talented safeties. And uh, Winfield and Jeremy Chin were, were uh, two of them. Grant Delpit went right before the Bucks pick, which, thank God. Um, <laughs> Not a Grant Delpit uh, fan, huh? No, no. Um, so, I, I mean, you know, and just looking at it, even a guy like Josh Jones, obviously he went much later, but even Josh Jones was still there. So the Bucks had options, and I think they they picked the right option. I would have preferred probably Marlon Davidson, uh, just because I feel like the D-line needs more depth, but... I mean, Winfield, I think, is just a good player. Like, they, they got good players here. Now, is Antoine Winfield Jr. similar to Wirfs in the sense he's a guy that can come in and make an impact day one? I, I think so. I, I think he has that potential. I think he was playing on a pretty good Minnesota team, but he got a lot of good experience. And, you know, just looking at his tape, he, he's got really good range. He, he can, like you said, he's free safety. He can play anything. He's, he can cover the nickel. Um, he can blitz. You can put him... You know, back, you can play him in coverage. He's fine. Um, he's a pretty good tackler. So I think, you know, he's he's a good player. I don't know if, you know, he has obviously Pro Bowl potential right away. I, I don't I don't think so. But I think by the end of year one, this, this dude should be a, probably one of the better players in, in that Bucks secondary and, and maybe the best one. I, th- I think, you know, he should have gone probably – one of the, the very first picks of round two, maybe even late first, and he ended up not. So um, I believe he was the 20, 27th ranked player on my board. Um, like I said, my second ranked safety. So um, another really good pick for them. Yeah, man, they made out like bandits there in the second round. I'm excited to see what he can do <clears> helping out that backfield. We talked before the draft about how it's, you know, a little bit of a crowded safety room. Yeah. Um, I think Winfield being as versatile as he is, he can use that as a strength. If they don't want to play him at safety, I'm sure they can find a position that works for him. I mean, there's there's multiple guys like this in this draft that you can just plug and play pretty much anywhere. So I think that's going to work to his advantage. And I'm excited to see what he does when training camp finally rolls around. Let's get into the third round. The Bucks fans wanted a running back. Well, they damn sure got one. It was third round pick 76. Buccaneers drafted Vanderbilt running back Keyshawn Vaughn. And before the draft, didn't know a whole lot about this guy. I didn't expect him to be a realistic target for the Bucks. I'm sure a lot of people who had them picking in the third round did. But I was not super sold on this guy when the pick was first made. Uh, it comes out, you kind of find out a little bit more about this player. And from what I've gathered... He's really good in space. He runs pretty intense, and he fights for yardage. So if I had to compare him to somebody else that I've watched recently, it's almost like he's a faster Peyton Barber. And yeah, I he's a better they, version of Peyton Barber. I think they brought him in to ultimately fill the role that Peyton Barber left behind because I think the Bucks still do sign a free agent running back. You and I have talked about that. And uh, I think for Keyshawn Vaughn, he can come in and fill the role that Peyton Barber left, maybe do a little bit better of a job. But uh, what do you think of the pick? 
Yeah, well, I mean, I do agree that I think I see a lot of Peyton Barber in him. I, I think he's a better version. I believe he's a better receiver as well. Yes. Um, I felt the pick was a little bit of a reach. This was probably the one I was like, you could have gotten a better player there. Um, if you were going to pick Vaughn, I wouldn't have picked a running back at all at that point. Um, so it was okay. I, I, I believe that Neville Gallimore was actually still on the board. So I would have loaded up on D line depth at 76, but, uh, whatever it's, it's fine. Um, so, I mean, I feel like a, <laughs> a lot of people were hating on this pick just because yeah, they want a running back, but they didn't really recognize his name. Right. Zach Moss was still available from Utah, and a lot of people said, well, you know, you got the five guys, and then you got Zach Moss. And they passed on Zach Moss, which, I, I mean, if you were going to take a running back, I probably would have taken Moss, but it's whatever. Um, you know, I, I don't mind it. He can pass block really good. I think that was a big reason why they took him. So I believe he'll likely be the third down back. But, I mean, you know, a lot of people asked me, they were like, oh, Jonathan Taylor, this and that, this and that, all these different running backs, even some that are on NFL teams that you know, were potential trade rumors, that which we'll get to in a little bit here. But, um, you know, they believe in Ronald Jones. They they do. And I, I kept telling everybody that asked me, I was like, they're going to get a piece to compliment Jones, not, not replace him. So I think this is a pretty solid compliment. I'm not sure the impact he can have day one like the other two, but I think eventually he'll be an upgrade over Barber. Yeah, and I mean, you had kind of brought up his ability to catch passes out of the backfield a little bit better than Barber could, and we've talked about it before verbatim. Tom Brady, he makes stars out of these guys who can just catch a football out of the backfield. You know what I mean? So I think for Vaughn to come into a system with Brady and just the way that he's going to fill that role, I think it'll benefit not only Ronald Jones having that complimentary piece, but I think Vaughn can find some success as well, especially in the uh, especially in the passing game. But uh, we'll just have to wait and see. Moving on to the fifth round, pick 161. This is a pick that I really like. This might be one of my favorite picks in the draft. It's Minnesota wide receiver Tyler Johnson. Tyler Johnson, not the one who plays for the Lightning. But Tyler Johnson, wide receiver out of Minnesota, he's a reliable receiver, at least from what it looks like. He's 6'1". I would say he's similar to Chris Godwin in a lot of ways. Obviously not a full-on comparison, but he's got his similarities. And uh, he had one of his biggest games of his college career in Raymond James Stadium against Auburn. What do you think of this guy? I mean, you basically said everything. Um, <laughs> my, my comp for him pre-draft was Chris Godwin. Um, this is my favorite pick of this class. Uh, you know, I think he's got reliable enough hands. They're not perfect, but I think they're good enough. He's a pretty good route runner, so uh, I think he'll just do fine in the NFL. And you know, I think he can play the slot. He has the ability to play outside. He's right around the same size as Chris Godwin, so I think you know he can play both. He can play slot and inside and outside um, when they want him to. I was surprised that he was available in the fifth round, and I thought he was going to go mid to late fourth. I thought if they wanted this guy, they were going to have to trade up, and they didn't. So, obviously, Bruce Arians saw the same way. In his press conference, he was like, man, you know, really wanted that guy. I was happy he was there. So, like you said, Raymond James Stadium, his game there, I believe he made that awesome one-handed catch in the back of the end zone. Uh, had a deep ball caught for a touchdown. So, he had two touchdowns there. It was the Outback Bowl versus Auburn, I believe. Yep. Um 
just an awesome performance for him, and hopefully there's more of those performances in Raymond James Stadium. So this was my favorite pick, and I think he's going to lock down the third wide receiver spot. Starting wide receiver three week one was going to be my follow-up question, so you'll back him yeah. up and say you think he fills that role? I believe he will. I like it, guy. I, it's all about those people who can come in and make an immediate impact. We talked about that, and uh, Johnson definitely can come in and be an impact player on day one. The Buccaneers had three more draft picks after that. Sixth round pick, 194. They went Nebraska defensive tackle Khalil Davis. I don't know a whole lot about this guy. I know he's a big guy who can help fill out the center of the line. I wouldn't say he is drafted to be Sue's replacement, but definitely play the same kind of role that he does as a rotational guy if he can get in there. I do like the pick much better than I liked Terry Beckner last year. I think Khalil Davis ultimately Uh, ends up making the roster. What do you think of this guy? This is such a better pick than Terry Beckner because the issue with Terry Beckner was he was just slow. Uh, Khalil Davis is a big guy, like you said, but he's explosive. Um, he can, he ran a fast 40. I don't have the time right in front of me. Um, but, I mean, you just go look up his 40. You can tell. Um, and, you know, he's hopefully, you know, in a perfect world, he does get into that D-line rotation. They need a D-line depth, and they were able to get it. So, fine with that pick. And it's a Nebraska guy, so you know that this had Jason Light written all over it. So. Oh, yeah, man. Um, you know, Khalil Davis, I, I think he'll be a, a solid player. I don't see really much upside with him. Like, I think, like, the match in again, which is a rotational guy. Um, maybe he's put on a practice squad, but we'll see how it all plays out. But they need a D-line depth, and, and they got it here. So, yeah. And people want to bring up the stat sheet about Ndamukong Sue. Say what you will about it. But I think for Khalil Davis, a young guy coming out of Nebraska, this is a great situation for him playing right next to Ndamukong Sue, a Nebraska legend. Levante David, another Nebraska, you know, legend that these guys look up to and respect. I think for him, learning from both of those guys, his rookie season, and he has that connection, of course, with the alma mater. I think it's a really good situation for him altogether, and I'm looking forward to him coming in and making an impact. The Buccaneers had two seventh-round picks. Pick 241. They went with outside linebacker from Temple, Chappelle Russell. Let me know about this guy because I didn't know a whole lot about Khalil Davis. I didn't know Jack about Chappelle Russell. Yeah, so he's uh, – at first I didn't either, and I went back and did a little research. Um, I'm from Philly, and he went to Temple, and I didn't know the guy. So, um, so I mean, he's a heavy hitter. He can really hit. I believe he'll play uh, inside linebacker in this scheme in a 3-4. He'll play inside linebacker. Uh, the biggest impact I think he could have is potentially on special teams. I think he can make a difference as as a coverage guy, as a blocker. I think he can do a fine job there. And you know, if he does make this team, it's going to have to be on special teams, I think. But I do like the upside with him. Um, I feel like this pick was, you know, a Bruce Arians pick, kind of. You know, he's like <laughs> his Nebraska boy. Bruce Arians got a Temple boy, so there you go. Um, but I, I do think this guy's spot will be on special teams, and you know, if he can turn into a guy like Jack Sitchy, who you know is on special teams and is fairly decent on special teams, and so be it. Biggest problem with Sitchy, the injuries. Yeah. The biggest problem with this guy, the injuries. I believe he had um, 2017, 2018. I believe he missed all of all of uh, 2017, 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, played in 2019. So um, I think he should be okay. We'll see. Obviously, health is a major concern, but you know, if he's able to get on the field, I, I, I would like to see him in some special teams units. Definitely, we'll be keeping a close eye on him as things approach for the Bucks. The final pick in the draft. Mm-hmm. For 2020, 
and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Seventh round, pick 245. These picks were very close, by the way. The two seventh rounders, they had 241 and 245. So my phone was going off within five minutes of each other, these two picks happening. They rounded out with another running back, Louisiana running back Raymond Calais. Now, a lot of what we know about this guy is I wouldn't expect to see him on the field as a running back week one. Uh, his main strength is the return game. And I like that the Buccaneers did address helping out the return game in the draft because, like I said earlier, I feel like we haven't had a returner worth a damn in quite a few years. So anybody who can come in here, get the chance, a guy like Raymond who has that experience, I like the pick. I don't mind it at all. What do you think? Everybody loves Raymond, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I'll tell you, if, they be, if he uh, if Calais becomes his, the return man that this team has been lacking, everybody will love Raymond. Um so I mean he's he's a burner. He he's he ran four four two. I believe that was like the third or fourth fastest for a running back at the combine. Uh, he's just you know I, I thought you know this spot was probably good enough for him. I didn't know much about him, but um, you know I, I think if he can make a difference, I think these last two picks were special teams picks. I think Tampa knows that you know they need the special teams to be better and without really picking a, a kicker or a punter, which they would have received, received plenty of criticism for that, this is the way you improve special teams, right? The way six-rounders and seventh-rounders make the team is on special teams. So, you know, the way Khalil Davis might make the team is on special teams. Maybe he's a good kick blocker. Who knows? Um, you know, but Calais, I think, or Calais, sorry, um, I think he'll get a ton of looks at kick returns and punt returns. I think he can do both. I'm not sure how much you're going to actually see him out of the backfield, but I think he's an explosive player. To me, this guy has like practice squad written sort of all over him. I don't, I don't know if he makes the team, but definitely an exciting pick to round out the draft. Absolutely. So looking at the draft as a whole, before we get into the 13 undrafted free agents, if you had to come up with a letter grade between A and F, what would you give the Bucks on their 2020 draft? So this was a very surprising draft for me because they actually did things I would do. Um, that <laughs> time is for everything. They that never happens. So uh, the only thing I wouldn't have done that they did was pick uh, Keyshawn Vaughn. But I mean, I'm that's not that pick wasn't enough to say, oh my god, this draft is terrible. Right. I love this draft. Uh, this is one of my favorite drafts in the entire NFL. I think it's a top five, top six class. Um, like I said, you got two definite starters. I, I probably three definite starters: Tristan Wirfs, Antoine Winfield, and Tyler Johnson. You added depth on the D line, added depth at running back, and you got two special teamers. I, I don't think you can get much better than that. Obviously, having a, at least one fourth round pick would have been perfect. They could have loaded up maybe a little bit more on edge rusher depth because right now their edge rush, I believe, is like Shaq Barrett, Jason Pierre-Paul, and Anthony Nelson. Like, yeah. so. Um, you know, and they might add a few players here and there to, to round out that depth, but I really liked it, so I'm going to give it an A-. Nice, man. If I had to sum it all up, I know I came out originally. I sent out a tweet, and I said I would give it a B plus. Um, that was just, you know, the first night after – well, not the first night, but that was day three after it was all over. The class was there. Now that I've had a little bit more time to look at these guys, compare it to other drafts that have been happening, I do agree with you wholeheartedly. I think it's a top five draft class. I think Minnesota probably had, if I had to pick, the best draft out of everybody else. But 
I think the Buccaneers were a top five draft class. I will side with you, dude. I'm going to give it an A minus. And not just because you gave it an A minus. This is truly what I think it was. I think it's the best draft that the Buccaneers have had in a long time. You know, you address needs a little bit of everywhere. And that was what was important. It wasn't solely an offensive side of the ball draft. It wasn't solely a defensive side of the ball draft. You know, you look at a team like Carolina who went seven for seven on defensive players. Buccaneers made sure that that didn't happen this year. And another thing you brought up, your first three rounds are guys who can come in and potentially make an impact day one. So I like it a lot. Mm. I think the Buccaneers had a good draft. I wouldn't have drafted Vaughn, but what are you going to do? You know, I think the big thing uh, with what you said, basically, you know, addressing needs. A lot of people say, well, if you draft for a need, you're going to keep drafting for need over and over and you'll never get anywhere. Always take the best player available. The reason this draft class is so good is because most of the time when they were on the clock, the best player available was a need, right? Like the best player available at 13 was Tristan Wirfs. It's the biggest need. The best player available at 45 was Antoine Winfield. That's a big need. You know, Keyshawn Vaughn, sure, uh, he wasn't the best player available, but they felt it was a need, so that was the one reach. Tyler Johnson, the fifth, he was probably the best player there, and they needed a third wide receiver. Perfect. Like, and then you add some D line depth, and like I said, the two special teamers. So, th- this was a really good draft. I hope this doesn't change. I hope Jason Light finally figures out that, you know, just draft good football players. Don't try to. And you know what I like the most? He always has that one pick that you'd never heard of the school or whatever, but it's never in like the seventh round. It's in like the third round, right? This year it wasn't. This year he and I understand I, I don't helmet scout and stuff like that. I don't do that. I draft I say out the player. But you know, Sean Murphy bunting from central Michigan at pick thirty nine. Um Ali Morpet from Hobart, he didn't want to take any risk this year, and that's what he should do every year, I think. Obviously every now and then if you really like a guy, sure. But you know, taking a risk on a small school guy, you don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. So, you know, I mean you pick a guy from Iowa, Minnesota, Vanderbilt Another Minnesota guy, Nebraska, Temple. Big you know, and then, all over the place. In this <laughs> yeah, and that's a big-time conference. So I think these guys are going to be more prepared to play in the NFL. I love it, man. I really like the class. I hope the Buccaneers can come out here and do some good with it. Well, let, let's let's segue here. I do As much as I love this draft class, I love this undrafted free agent draft let's class. Let's do it, man. Let's get into it. So after the draft, the Buccaneers went out and they signed 13 undrafted free agents i'm going to list them off for you here now and then evan i want to get your thoughts on these guys as a group because i have heard that they're among the better groups of ufas in the nfl let's get into it starting off the list quarterback reed sinet out of san diego offensive lineman john malkan out of boise state i think i pronounced that correctly wide receiver josh pearson out of jacksonville state offensive lineman nick leverett who i've heard some things about out of rice Safety Javon Hagen out of Ohio, who I've also heard some things about. Wide receiver John Hurst out of West Georgia. Outside linebacker Cam Gill, Wagner College. Linebacker Michael Divinity out of LSU. A lot of people are excited about this one. Fun fact, Divinity wore number 45 just a year removed from Devin White wearing number 45. Is it a coincidence? Probably, yeah. Cornerback Parnell Motley out of Oklahoma, who I think is the biggest highlight out of this. We'll talk about it in a second. Center, Zach Shackelford out of Texas. Defensive lineman, Nasil Player, ETSU. The back of his jersey is just going to say player. And I think that's hilarious because you remember like in Madden when you just yeah. rushed through a creative player yep. and just said player, player. on the back. Player, 0-0. <laughs> zero, zero. Defensive lineman, Benning Patoe? 
Potoa. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> out of Washington and wide receiver Travis Johnson out of Montana State rounds up the list. Evan, what are your thoughts on this group of players? Well, I'm going to say right now, I think three of these guys make the football team, um, which is, you know, for an undrafted class, it's pretty good. Uh, I, I think the three players are Zach Shackelford, who is a four-year starter at Texas at center. So I think he could be some depth there at center. They don't really have much depth at center. I think, you know, I, I believe he can play guard as well. So that helps him. Michael Diveny from LSU, who actually, you know, Devin White didn't wear. I don't know if you remember that. Devin White didn't wear forty-five dollars. He wore forty. Yeah. Um, Such an idiot, dude. Sorry. Well, I didn't hear the the whole worth worth thing. So this cabin, it's this cabin fever. Like my memory's (laughs) been jogged lately. I've been forgetting just small, unimportant stuff, and I guess I forgot that Devin White did not wear forty-five. I just think of his jersey number now, and I immediately... Well, because, and, yeah, then the debate was when he got drafted, was he wasn't going to take Mike Allstott's number, was he? Right. You know, that was the big debate. So, um, yeah, but Devaney, I believe, is going to make this team. Um, maybe it's the practice squad, but I believe he'll be on the roster or some type of roster. He'll be associated with Tim. Okay? One player that I am completely confident that is going to make this football team and is probably going to beat out an ex- pretty high Bucks draft pick is Parnell Motley from Oklahoma. Um, I love this guy. I don't know why this guy wasn't drafted. He should have been a fifth, sixth-round pick, maybe, maybe even a fourth-round pick. Uh, I don't believe there's any off-field issues with him. This guy's just a good football player. And, I mean, obviously he has some stuff to work on, but um, there's no reason for me to think that this guy can't beat out MJ Stewart and be the fourth cornerback. I think Ryan Smith has a spot because of his special teams play. But I also believe that, you know, um, the, the the tough thing for MJ Stewart is he hasn't shown, hasn't shown enough. You know, he's been given chance after chance after chance. They're not going to move him to safety. Right. Like, they, they don't have room at safety now. Yeah. And corner, I just think Motley's the better player, and he's going to prove it. So I think that could be a second-round pick where Jason Light says, man, I want that one back. Like, that could be – and thank God he hit on Carlton Davis because if he didn't, that would have looked really bad if Carlton Davis and MJ Stewart were both his two second-round picks um, that he got from Buffalo when when he traded down, those two guys. Thank God Carlton Davis at least has turned out all right. Um, so, yeah, I think three of them are going to make the team. Josh Pearson, wide receiver, heard decent things about him. Uh, a lot of people like to, seem to like uh, Hagen, the safety. Uh, we'll see. You know, it's uh, going to be interesting. I talked to Shackleford. Um, he's excited. Um, you know, I just had a short conversation with him, just walking him to Tampa. And, uh, yeah, so I, I think it's a really good class of just all-around draft class and undrafted free agents. So, um, we'll see if you can have a short I'll... conversation with one of those other guys about coming on to the podcast that you host. <laughs> yeah, uh, maybe. We'll see. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so I, I wanted to – I wanted to bring up two things here. Um, so, completion percentage allowed for a few notable cornerback prospects, right? This is a tweet from Matt Kajowski. I don't know. You got it, yeah. But he says, you know, C.J. Henderson, 54.1% completion percentage, okay? C.J. Henderson was the ninth pick. Yeah, A.J. Terrell, 52.3%. He was the 16th pick. 
Amik Robertson, 47.1%. Jeff Okuda, who's the third overall pick, 46.6%. Jeff Gladney, who is the 31st overall pick, 46.6%. The top one is Trayvon Diggs at 42.3%. The next one is Parnell Mali at 43.5%. So he allowed some of the lowest completion percentage of cornerbacks and keep this in mind folks this isn't some guy who went undrafted because he played for some no-name school he went to oklahoma he had competition yep yep he he if you go back and watch his tape against tcu and baylor he locks down jalen rager who was drafted by the eagles and he locks down denzel mims who was drafted by the jets um rager was a first round pick i believe mims was the third third round pick or second round pick but i want to say jeff gladney who was the 31st overall pick is 5'10 190 pounds had 146 tackles last year five interceptions and ran a 448 40 yard dash pretty good pardon motley who is undrafted six foot 180 pounds 176 tackles six interceptions and a 45 40 yard dash I have no idea why this guy wasn't drafted, but this guy is going to be a good player. It is incredible every single year the talent that just kind of slips through the cracks in the NFL draft. And, you know, we talk about it every season because typically right around the halfway point, that's when these unrestricted free agents really start to make names for themselves. But to have a guy like that be signed to the Bucks, I really look forward to the potential that he has. And uh, let's hope he can go out there and do it. a pretty cool name, too. Yeah. It's a pretty cool name. Parnell Motley. Like, yeah, right. It's pretty cool. If he, goes, if he goes out there and he turns the secondary around, not that he'll do it single-handedly, but if these guys are playing well and Parnell Motley is a big part of it, we got to start calling him the Motley crew. It has to happen. Oh, for sure. The secondary just needs to be Motley crew. <laughs> I, I, ho- I kind of hope he's like the star cornerback now just because that would make more sense, <laughs> the Motley get crew. T- get T-shirts made. Oh, dude, it would be fantastic <laughs> until we got sued by Vince Neal. <laughs> But before we wrap up the show, ladies and gentlemen, one more thing I wanted to go over are some rookie numbers. We found out what numbers every rookie is going to be wearing today. There were a ton of number changes. So if you hear some familiar numbers, chances are that player doesn't wear it anymore. Let's kick it off with our first round pick. Tristan Wurst will be wearing number 78. He wore 74 in college. Ali Marpet told him he needs to find a new number. So he found it in 78. Second round, Antoine Winfield Jr. will be wearing Jordan Whitehead's old number at 31. Jordan, or, uh, Jordan Whitehead moved to 33, I believe, if I remember correctly. Third yep. round pick, Keyshawn Vaughn, is going to be wearing number 30. Fifth round pick, Tyler Johnson, is going to be wearing number 18. And when I think of a wide receiver for the Bucks who wears night 18, I immediately think of Bernard Reedy. Like, that was the uh, first okay, yeah. Thing. Well, um, a lot of people were upset they didn't choose 19 because they could have just had their old Keyshawn Johnson jerseys. Oh, that's fair. That would have been nice, right? Someone, <laughs> I, I think it was uh, I think it was our buddy Stank Bastard on Twitter. He came out and he said, um, he said the last time there was a Keyshawn on the roster for the Bucks, they won the Super Bowl. So will it happen this year? Who knows? Who knows? There's a Keyshawn and a Johnson. <laughs> Khalil Davis will wear Carl Nassib's old number of 94. Chappelle Russell will wear 53. And Raymond Calais will round it out wearing number 43. And the last running back I remember wearing 43 was that that boy Bobby Rainey. I I liked Bobby (laughs) Rainey, man. I, I was a homer for Bobby Rainey. I know he wasn't that good. good. He had a good game. He had a good, like, four or five game stretch there in 2013. I know a lot of people yeah. didn't have him as that good in their eyes, but I thought he was a little bit better than, uh, I don't know, Jaquiz Rogers. 
So there are your rookie numbers, there is your overall draft grade, and there is another episode of the Cannon Fire podcast. But wait, there's more. There's is one there thing more? I want to say. Is there more? Go ahead. There go is ahead. more. There is more. You're a bad host. There... You, you, you forgot one of the biggest things. Oh, dude, I'm terrible. So there was a, a thing that came out from Jeremy Fowler, which I was able to confirm, ESPN, that said that the, the Jacksonville Jaguars offered Leonard Fournette to the Buccaneers right before you know the, the Bucs made pick 76, which was Keyshawn Vaughn. I am the Buccaneers totally – this, <laughs> this is my fault entirely because that was probably the biggest bullet point that I had on my notes, and I completely went over it when we got into the third round. So my apologies. <laughs> you are right. I'm a um, terrible host. But tell the people about it now that you've put it out there. Yeah, for sure. So, like I said, I, I had also heard this. Um, so, Leonard Fournette, I assume, I haven't heard this exactly, but I assume that it would have been for a pick 76 and probably another pick, maybe like the fifth-round pick or like a sixth-round pick. I don't think it would have been straight up. Um, and But the Buccaneers said no and went with a cheaper option, and I think they did the right thing there. I don't think they were in a position to give away any more draft picks, um, and I don't know – I just I'm not a huge Leonard Fournette guy, and I know I've got a lot of criticism about that. I just I don't really like him. I I really I never have. Like he was my he was my third ranked running back the year he came out, and he went number four. I was like ugh. Like I just I never was a big fan of him. He's apparently a you know a poor locker room guy, which I mean I know being in Jacksonville really does suck, but um, <laughs> you know it sounds like torture, but. There's been rumors about that, and you know he might want a new contract soon. I just I, I don't see the upside there. So I think the Bucks made the right move by declining the, the deal. But Leonard Fournette to Tampa was almost the thing. Yeah, I'm glad that you brought that up, and I'm glad that we didn't forget because it's a very vital piece of information, especially knowing that the Bucks said no and then just picked Keyshawn Vaughn, a pick that a lot of people were mad about in the first place. So for the Bucks, I think it's definitely an integrity move from their standpoint. A lot of people think it would just be easy to get Leonard Fournette and say our run game is fixed. People have been saying it on our comments section for months. I know you've seen it. Yeah, Keyshawn Vaughn is also much cheaper than Leonard Fournette right now. Oh, yeah. And the Buccaneers don't have a whole lot of cap space. So. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Keyshawn Vaughn, a guy who can come in, potentially develop, and just fill in a role that I don't think Leonard Fournette was ready to fill. We still have trust in Rojo, and I'm excited to see what the run game can bring us this year with Keyshawn Vaughn involved. But with that being said, I believe this time, that's just about going to do it for this episode of the Cannon Fire Podcast. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening on every major podcasting platform or watching with video on YouTube. And if you haven't already, make sure you go check out our YouTube channel at least once. And while you're there, drop a like, drop a comment, let us know you're tuning in. And remember to subscribe. When you subscribe to our YouTube channel, for free, by the way, it doesn't cost a damn thing. When you subscribe to our YouTube channel, you'll get notifications every time we do one of our live stream call-in shows. And you'll be notified. You'll be one of the first people who know whenever we upload a new episode just like this one. So make sure you get on it. YouTube is the best place to watch the Cannon Fire podcast. You can follow the show on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of those are Cannon Fire Podcast, your number one source for everything going on with the show. You can find out show updates and, of course, a great source of Bucks news. And you can follow myself on Instagram and Twitter at Redicus, R-H-E-T-T-A-K-U-S. If you follow me, I will follow you back. You can follow my co-host Evan on Twitter at EvanNFL. And, of course, check him out on Instagram at BucksWave, the number one Buccaneers fan page. How's the quest to 25,000 followers going? 
Much better. We're at 24. Yeah, look at that. Numbers yeah. are going up each and every day. <laughs> Big news coming out each and every week for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I am so excited for the season, and I'm excited for you to hit that milestone. Speaking of milestones, I know I brought up our YouTube earlier. If you haven't subscribed, you should, because we are creeping in on 1,000 <clears> subscribers. <throat> it's taken quite a few years for us to get here, and I'm glad that we're as close as we are. So that is our goal for the season. Once the season starts, once week one rolls around, I want to see 1K on the subscriber bar. It's not too hard to ask for. One little click of the button. Before we go, I have to give a quick shout-out to our friends at Pinecrest Printing and Signs. This business is still open, and you should take your business there. Because if you're at home right now, while the world is a crazy place, you still have to get things done. If you have a brand, if you have a podcast, if you have something you want to promote, Pinecrest Printing is your number one source for getting it out there as professional as possible and as clean as possible. RJ and his staff, they have a quality guarantee. It's what they do, folks. They've been doing it since 2001, helping out the Tampa Bay area, the business community, and of course being a small business in themselves. So it always helps out to go check out some small business. Support them while they are open. Monday through Friday, 8.30 a.m. to 5 p.m. are their hours. You can give them a call at 813-684-5444, or you can check out the website at pinecrestprinting.com. I am Rhett Matthew, signing off for Evan Wanish, and we appreciate you guys listening to our show. We'll catch you next time. Go Bucks! Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. Save big money at Menards. Let the fresh air in and keep the bugs out with replacement screen for your doors and windows from AdForce. It's easy to install, durable against the elements, and comes in a variety of types to suit your needs. Repair your screens today with a roll of replacement screen. On sale through May 5th. And check out more great deals happening now in our weekly flyer on Menards.com. Save.